Good afternoon from Sugar City Studios, beautiful Savannah, Georgia. Both point of view, Dr. Walter Kimsey. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing, man? Great. All right, so the last couple of weeks, you and I have been bouncing this around a little bit about the sort of the mega trends in 21st century manufacturing, just sort of the way things are changing, right? We've talked about electric vehicles. We're, you know, we're talking about the carbon footprint. And I think you and I have sort of, in the last couple of weeks, bounced back and forth about like seriously getting green. And while that's partly about the environment, it's also mm-hmm. partly about dropping money to the bottom line, being more profitable, right? Exactly. We gotta, we've got to be smarter about what we're doing, period. Right. Yeah. And make money in the process. Yes. Why not? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's take a couple of steps back. America in the 20th century, right? We grew a lot as a country. We developed a middle class. We invented a bunch of appliances. We installed electricity across the country. Right. It was, you know, it, the country really, you know, flourished. But a lot of it was driven by the electricity, and a lot of the electricity was produced by coal. And you can argue that coal and rail to move the coal built the 19th, sorry, the 20th century American economy, the right. mighty 20th century one. So the problem is, is that everything that you do, every, you know, has diminishing returns. If you take a factory and you design it to build, you know, 100 widgets, what I don't know what a widget is, but say you're going to make 100 of them. When you start get to the point where you're making 80 widgets at that factory, your costs start to go up, right? People right. want, the workers start running into each other. They have to, you know, get out of the way so the other guy can go by, the other lady can go by. By the time you get to 100 widgets, you can produce them, but your overtime bill is through the roof. So you have to expand. And when you expand, you learned a lot from what you did before, and you expand with a different structure. Our world is a fixed asset. It's just like a factory. It only has so much. It's, it's a fixed thing. And... When we invented the coal power plants, one had no impact on the environment. We build a second one, not a big deal. A third one, not a big deal. Finally, you get to some number of coal plants and rain turns acid, the carbon in the air is heating up the world, according to some scientists, I don't know that for a fact. And we realized that we could get better scale economies from other things that have less of these impacts. And so the movement begins. And some of the companies that you and I have been speaking with have taken this to a whole new level. They're not just worried about the the carbon emissions, but they're worried about the impact they have on landfills, the impact they have on on waste. It turns out that when you use recycled materials like steel, the new steel that you make from recycled steel has a lot less carbon in it than, or involves a lot less carbon emissions than when you produce steel using virgin materials. Right. So we're seeing a big shift to this recyclable materials. A couple months ago, I had to give a talk to the Global Telecommunications Industry Conference. You know, what I had to say may have been interesting, but what was really interesting and debated was how much copper can we recycle? Because it turns out that as you install 5G, the more wireless we get, the more wire we need to become less wireless. We need internet for the the backbone of the internet has to be strengthened. We have to connect transponders in more places. And so it was all about if this if the global demand for copper increases a lot, instead of copper being at four dollars a pound like it is right now, 
it'll probably go to eight, nine, ten dollars a pound. So do we have enough recyclable copper out there? Do we know where to get it? And you know, so steel, copper, plastic, all of these basic raw materials that we use in a variety of things, almost everything we do, that um, if we could get it recycled, it would have a less carbon impact on the planet. Um, and it's also cheaper to take recycled product and clean it up, fix it up so that you could really, you know, use use the product. This applies to a variety of, of, of things. I was just talking to, uh, I was talking to my wife over the weekend and this is so sad of the bag now. This is an original idea. You heard, heard it here first, but pizza boxes. Why doesn't somebody come up with a recyclable pizza box? We just, we just looked it up. Three billion pizzas a year in the U.S. That's three billion boxes. Now, you, you know what it would take to recycle them? What? A coating such, so that the grease from your pepperoni or sausage or cheese doesn't penetrate the box. That's what my wife said. Really? She's like, come up with that. Are you kidding me? Well, see, I do the housework <laughs> in my house, so people like your wife and me, we got <laughs> I like to hang around far people. Uh, but seriously, three billion pizza boxes. And I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Apply that to just the food industry, like you and I talked earlier. Yeah, it's just, not- the, just the fast food industry. Exactly. But but even in the manufacturing process itself, the companies now think about if they're getting raw materials, right, where they're getting it from. Is it Are they being procured ethically? Because on the west coast of Africa, there are a, people talk about blood diamonds. Yeah, and this oh. is it's, it's a real thing, too. I mean, this isn't yeah. just, this isn't one side of the aisle or the other. Yeah. This is stuff that every, we can all agree, yeah. agree on. Yeah, like... Um, Tesla has changed the way they make their batteries so they don't have to use uh, some of the metals that come out of West Africa because right. they can't prove that the labor is legal. And uh, the U.S. Department of Commerce is investigating companies, tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four suppliers. So they're going way up the food chain for the company to make sure that there is no forced labor that the product that's being taken is, is, is truly clean. It's not produced in a way that it hurts the environment. And that's the big change. This is what the 21st century manufacturing is about. We can't keep using only you know, virgin materials. We have to recycle as much as we can. And you actually make money by doing that. And you can plan the whole process, including the death of the product when it reaches its end, say it's a computer or something, so that it can be taken apart and all of the pieces very recyclable. Like you said with the pizza box, before you put a pizza in it, make sure the box can be recycled. Yeah, so I say pizza box, you say computer, but it's basically the same same thing. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so we're, I think. And so where are you seeing this? What companies or what industries do, do you see sort of like setting the pace on this right now? Or what what conversations have you had over the last 30 days that sort of prompt your thinking that some people are starting to do this right? I was at the telecom conference. It was a metals recycler, aluminum and, and copper. In the electric vehicle industry, you showed me that article about accounting for the true life cycle cost benefit of an automobile. That maybe if you just look at the, at the production of the automobile, that that truly has a bigger impact on the environment than an an internal combustion engine. 
But if you account for the whole life cycle of, of carbon reduction and recycling of the components in the end, right. you come out ahead. Right. But you know how you come out more ahead? Is if you can do this at the front end as well. Yeah. And so that's that reaction that we saw from Tesla. Yes. Yeah, so some of the issues we've talked about in terms of you know the electric vehicles, mm-hmm. right? Issues connected to like the like the batteries, for example. Right. So there's a lot that goes in on the front end of the batteries, and the, but what do we do in ten years when all these batteries are like we got a a pile of them to do something with? We don't want to put three billion batteries in a, in a landfill. Well, I've been dying to ask this question from an electric vehicle maker. When the battery comes to an end, right? It still has the, you know the, the the metals inside of it, right? Why can't you open it up and reuse those metals? Why throw the lithium? inside the battery away. Why not just recycle the lithium, take it out, do whatever you have to do to process it and use it to make another battery. That's what I don't get. So today's podcast, we sort of flipped it around a little bit, right? So we took out to our 42, 43 followers, Mm -hmm. maybe not quite that many, but uh, anyway, yeah, flipping it back around on you guys today, asking you some questions. Before we wrap up here, We're going to be wrapping up season one here um, Mm on the next couple of episodes and then launching into season two where we're going to have some guest speakers come in. Right. And so questions, topics, anybody want to email Walter or myself and, uh, you know, ping us on some some thoughts or some issues you'd like for us to uh, address, uh, just let us know. Walter, as always, thanks. That'd be great. Thank you. All right. Good to see you.